This podcast is presented by the Miami Rescue Mission Broward Outreach Centers, also known as The Caring Place, www.caringplace.org. Welcome to Mission Possible, the good news program with all the good news and more. Brought to you by the Miami Rescue Mission and Broward Outreach Centers, where caring for the needy, feeding the hungry, and changing lives happens every day. Now, here are your hosts for Mission Possible, Ron and Marilyn Brunett. Good morning, South Florida, and welcome to Mission Possible, the good news program brought to you by the Miami Rescue Mission and Broward Outreach Centers. We're known as the Caring Place and been caring for the homeless and needy since 1922. That's almost 100 years. We're fast approaching our centennial. I'm Ron Brumman. I happen to be the president, and I haven't been here 100 years, but I've been here 30 years, and what a privilege, what an honor, what a joy it has been to be a part of this great ministry to see men, women, and children come through our front doors, needy, broken, despaired, full of depression, hopelessness, and see so many so many thousands and thousands engage in new lives and more importantly have a relationship with the lord through jesus christ and today i'm i'm joined with my lovely wife marilyn who happens to be the the vice president of development and been been here for how many years you've been here marilyn well it's going to be 18 18 years and so good morning again yeah good morning you know we had a fantastic um love fest you might say on valentine's just this past friday um all of our centers celebrated heart for the homeless and we had so many that we were able to serve not only our residents that actually stay with us but also the outside guests and we had volunteers that loved on them uh, they had a wonderful meal all the beautiful decorations we gave out clothing hygiene valentine cards uh, there was just love in the air and you know we have been on this whole month and we're st- so we still have more to go we had a goal of raising 10,000 meals so right now we're a little short um, it's around uh, four to five thousand I have to look at the figures again and we but, still got uh, a couple weeks left and too. we still have a couple weeks so if you'd like to help uh, m- help us meet that goal you can go to caringplace.org slash heart that's right it's caringplace.org slash heart you know we believe that uh, people are wooed to us because they they know that we're a loving caring compassionate uh, organization been doing that since 1922 uh, we believe that God has a plan for everyone and you know to get to someone just to be able to feed them to be able to encourage them is one thing but it has to develop that trust and that relationship so that when a person is ready to make a decision to say, you know, I'm tired of being on the streets, I'm tired of being addicted, I'm tired of being kicked out of homes, I'm tired of this, that they'll say, but you know something, the the Miami Rescue Mission, the Broward Outreach Centers, you know, I've gone there and they've always been kind and gentle and I've always walked away feeling better and today I'll make that decision. And even with our Heart for the Homeless campaign, uh, Marilyn started this many years ago, you know, holidays are very tough on the homeless and the needy and the poor, and not just the poor in uh, money, but poor in spirit. And so we try to make every holiday mm-hmm. a little bit special. You know, we had our great Thanksgiving outreach just a few months ago, over 2,500 people in one day. 80 men and women made the decision to get off the street that day. And then our great Christmas celebration, end of the year. And then we turned right around, had something very special for Martin Luther King yes. Day. And now we have our heart for the homeless. And I'm telling you, I, as a formerly homeless person, 
Uh, many of you know my story, many of you don't, but I was homeless for almost two years, and it does make a uh, big difference in a person's life when you see someone, you know, hand you something. Hey, you're loved. Here's, here's, a, here's a card, and a lot of the cards, Marilyn, were made by kids. That's right. Uh, by children in, in schools and sent in by our donors, and it did make a big difference. You would think, well, you're a homeless uh, agency. Well, we're a people agency. Mm -hmm. And it's more than just getting somebody off the street and feeding them for a day or two or getting them to an apartment. We want people, when they leave here, our ultimate goal is for them to know the Lord. Uh, but we don't force that on anybody. You can be of any faith to come through one of our programs. You're going to hear about Jesus, though. Uh, and then we have our faith community that comes alongside of us and does such a wonderful mm -hmm. job. Uh, Muslims, Jewish people, even atheists come alongside of us and, and Protestants, Catholics. This is one thing we have common ground on. There's hurting people out mm -hmm. there. And that's what this program is about. It's about good news. It's about in the, and all this mud that's going around in our political realm and all the hurts that's happening. We have the coronavirus taking place. You know, people are very up in arms about that. And certainly those are things to be uh, aware of and concerned about. But there's a lot of good going on. There's a lot of people that are helping others that are in despair. And so when they come through, we want them to feel uh, not just love, but encouraged to be successful in life. And so when you see them in cap and gown, and for many, they have not completed something. Some have not completed high school or some haven't completed anything. They haven't worked at a regular job for, for a long time in many years. This is big news. And you see the, the smiles. Uh, it's really cool, isn't it, Marilyn? Oh, it's wonderful. Now, can I put one more event out there that we're having? Sure. On March 14th, if you really love women and children and seeing them uh, get helped, most of our women that come to us are coming from some type of abuse or domestic violence. Uh, we're having a special gathering. It's a barbecue. It's going to be in Miami Gardens, special property there. And uh, we're inviting you. I'm inviting you right now. Come uh, and see this new property, which is going to uh, hopefully be our new Women and Children's Center. It's a four-and-a-half-acre property. Uh, our Girlfriends for Girlfriends is a focus group. It's a volunteer group. They're putting on the barbecue from noon to 3. So you can go to our website, caringplace.org, slash g for g because that's who's sponsoring it. Uh, the tickets are $15. And come have a good time, eat, and uh, we'll show you the property and hopefully you'll maybe want to come alongside and volunteer at some point. That's right. And, you know, there's so many different ways that you can make a difference. Here we are in the middle of February. Many people had New Year's resolutions. And I have challenged people, you know, if you haven't volunteered, if you haven't gotten involved with something that's close to your heart, uh, then do so. Help somebody else. It's, it, of course, we have to make a living. We have our own family to take care of. we got kids to raise and responsibilities. But maybe you're past that. Maybe you're an empty nester. Uh, maybe you have some some time that you didn't think you had before and you want to make a difference and if not with our organization find something that's close to you I, I've learned that people have had uh, family members that battle cancer they have a, a affinity towards cancer survivors and then you have Alzheimer's and autism but we have so many different ways you can get involved and when you go to our website at caringplace.org you can find out how to become a volunteer all the different things that we're doing uh, how to make a difference and one of the things that we do every at the beginning of the year the very first quarter in our winter winter months is our mission hope hygiene drive and this is where we send out purple bags to you 
a one bag, two bags, a hundred bags, depending on what your what your need is. And then we want those bags filled with hygiene products. Can you imagine not brushing your teeth or washing your face or combing your hair for a long period of time? And maybe you've seen homeless in your travels in South Florida where they just look unkempt and they, they look something's wrong. And so we will have these we want you to fill these bags up, go to your uh, favorite place to shop, look for the bogos. Uh, buy one get one free fill them up with hygiene products and give them back to us well god bless you we have got a great program today so stay tuned right here on news radio 610 wiod for more mission possible well once again this is marilyn brumman and i love this part where we get to uh, interview people who are making a difference in the community and sometimes i have someone who is a great volunteer and they're a great community leader and it's all rolled up into one and that's what i have today i have with me rob collins and he is the education and outreach coordinator with hope inc so before i tell our listening audience who hope inc is first of all thank you rob for being on the program today thank you for having me it's an honor to meet you in fact well it's an honor having you here finding out what a wonderful volunteer you've been throughout your uh years and you're young but you started volunteering very young but first of all what is hope inc hope inc is a nonprofit that fights discrimination in housing in miami-dade and broward counties we go out and we tell people about their rights. Then if someone thinks that they are facing discrimination, they can call us. I'm a lawyer. We help them out. Everything we do is free. Well, you know, I have a little paper here, like a little cheat sheet. And uh, just so people understand what you really mean about discrimination in housing, I think the first thing that people think of is race. Uh, but there's so many other things that are involved in that. Uh, religion, marital status, pregnancy, um, disability, gender, veteran status, HIV status, age, uh, source of income. It, uh, it, it really is quite a list. Yes. Um, there's there's a lot of things that aren't on the list of, of reasons to face discrimination, like a person's credit score. They can, a housing provider could actually use that against you. But a lot of times, um, like you were just reading, there are so many things that are on the list. A lot of times a housing provider knows the list and they actually are treating you differently because you have kids or they are treating you differently because you have a mental or physical challenge. But they, because they know the law, they don't say that. You know, they come out, they come up with some other reason not to deal with you. Oh, it's your credit score. Um, and so we actually tell consumers, we tell housing seekers, just beware. Do you, you know, maybe they said it was your credit score. Do you have reason to believe it's actually because you're Hispanic? Do you have reason to believe it's actually because you're a woman? Because that housing provider may very well just be hiding the reason they're treating you differently. And if you have, even on a hunch, if you think, uh, I, they said it was my credit score, but I know somebody else who lives there who has a worse credit score than I do, but that person doesn't have kids or whatever. The the real reasons, um, like you were naming, they are extensive. There are a lot of reasons that are illegal, and that housing provider might be uh, doing something a little secretive. So even on a hunch, we encourage people to call us and reach out and let us know, and we can investigate. Well, one of the things that you said off air that I thought was interesting is also the housing provider themselves, the a one who's actually, you know, trying to fill their place, their rent or uh, rent out their rental unit, they may not even know 
yeah. all the extent of of what is considered uh, discrimination. So sometimes they need to be educated. That's right. Yeah. Sometimes it happens that. Uh, a housing a home seeker says, oh, I'm in a wheelchair, I need a ramp. And that housing provider may be like, oh, that's a really extensive uh, cost and burden on us as a housing provider. Sorry, I don't think, I don't think we can accommodate you here, um, not knowing that that's illegal. Um, it, it, the, the home seeker can be made to pay for it, but just telling them no out of hand would be illegal discrimination. Or a housing provider, and this happens all the time, a housing provider may have a unit uh, with a pool that doesn't have a gate around it or a balcony and they may d just decide for a potential tenant oh your kids won't be safe here and so they tell the housing the home seeker it's not available to you that's illegal you can't make that decision for them because um a lot of times a housing provider just will say oh it's not safe so that's why we don't want your kids here when the truth is they don't want kids there they think kids may be noisy or may vandalize things and so that that home seeker who has children has a lot fewer opportunities and some housing providers are quote trying to help them and some aren't some are just finding re reasons and ways to keep kids out so it really the law doesn't really contemplate whether or not it was intentional, whether they thought they were helping you. There are just some, th some things, that list that you were reading earlier, that cannot be taken into consideration. Now, is there any criteria as to how many housing units maybe um, a landlord has versus, you know, maybe they only have one or two that they're actually putting out there versus somebody who has a whole apartment building? Is there any difference in the law there? That's a really good question, yeah. Um, if there are less than four units, the law is usually going to say, well, we're not going to encroach that far and tell you. It, certainly, if you were sharing a room with the person, you have some rights too. Uh, there, are, there are a number of exceptions, but in general, if it's open to the public, renting or buying, once you've listed it in the paper, once you've listed it on some home realtor's site, or once you put a sign on the yard that says it's available, you're probably going to invoke these laws. Um, so there are mm -hmm. exceptions, but once you're opening it to the public, you should probably, if you're a, home, a housing provider, if you're a landlord, you should probably operate under the assumption that uh, the Fair Housing Act and local fair housing laws are going to be implicated. So can you help both sides of this uh, situation? So if you have a landlord that says, hey, listen, I really do need to know so that I'm not doing something wrong if they have a question, as well as someone who says, hey, I think I've been discriminated against, I have a question, what website would they go to? They would go Go to hopefhc.com. That's Hope Fair Housing Center, fhc.com. Hopefhc.com. Now, Rob, just as a little interesting, some tidbits about yourself. Um, how how did you uh, come to work with this particular organization? I mean, you are a lawyer. You could have done a lot of things in your life. So give us a little background on that. When I was a, a law student at the University of Miami, uh, my professor, Martha Mahoney, she's still there. Shout out to Martha Mahoney. She, uh, she was my property teacher, and she told us all, you know, if you want to kind of get out of the books and see people who are working in, in property and discrimination in the, in the real world, um, there's this organization you can reach out to, and that's Hope Incorporated. And that was back in 2008. And uh, now I'm flash, flash, 
a flash, flash forward. forward. Thank you, fast forward. Um, I'm working for the organization, but that was my introduction, was her telling me, you know, there's this real world organization doing this real world work if you want to get out of these books in law school. And uh, I reached out to them a long time ago and I, I volunteered as a, while I was still a law student and uh, I got really lucky and now I, I work now here. your staff. Yeah, I'm very lucky. That, that's amazing. Um, but you know, you've had a heart for volunteering since you were very young, you and your brother. What's, mm-hmm. what's the story behind that? I have uh, a little brother from Big Brothers Big Sisters and uh, he and I were coming to Miami Rescue Mission. We started when he was 11. Uh, we've been paired also since the fall of 2008, as it turns out. Um, but uh, we started coming in, in 2011, um, and we volunteered once a month at the at the kitchen at Miami Rescue Mission, and then later at the Bargain Barn also. And uh, we were there for, for years until he went to college. Wow, that is amazing. That is amazing. So volunteering does um, give someone a little different insight uh, into the world, doesn't it? Yeah, oh, certainly. I, I, I think it opened my, my my plan was to open his eyes and have him have a different perspective on volunteering starting at a young age. But it definitely, it always opens my eyes too. And there's always more to learn and have more perspective about just everything about life and advantages and disadvantages and how people treat each other. So yeah, volunteering is super valuable. And you know, I would just want to give you a shout out because you're a special dad. You have a young daughter and she has sang at our Christmas in July uh, events out on the street and also inside. But she she started when she was three to <laughs> sing the national anthem and then she did it when she was four. I mean, uh, wow, I just don't even know what to say about that. That's so cool. We appreciate that opportunity. It just so happened that uh, she got turned on to the national anthem when she was two. Like, she just liked it as a song. And so we played her the Whitney Houston Super Bowl version, the famous version. And through that, she learned the words. And through us singing, my wife and I singing it to her, she learned the words. And uh, eventually... Uh, through hope and volunteer, working at, uh, Christmas at July, Christmas in July with Miami Rescue Mission, I asked the, the person who organizes it, and I said, oh, can, can my daughter sing the national anthem? And she was only three then, and he was like, oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, that is so wonderful. I, f- I feel that you're really well-rounded. Uh, you're a great dad, wife, father. Um, you're a community um, activist. Uh, you care about people and uh I'm just so glad we can give you this opportunity to talk, and we love interviewing people like you, Rob. You make it all worthwhile. Oh, thanks for so the thank you, Rob Collins. He is the Education and Outreach Coordinator with Hope Inc. If you'd like to investigate that a little bit more, it's hopefhc.com. Thank you, Rob, for being with us today. Thank you. Leanne Navarro here, the Senior Community Development Associate for the Miami and the Broward Outreach Centers. So excited to have with us in the studio today. Uh, we have the Dan Marino Foundation, Marino Campus in the house. Good morning, <laughs> Taina Georges. How are you doing? Good morning. How are you? I'm great. Good, I'm great. good. So good to have you again. I mean, um, super fast recap how we met. We did an event together. Uh, we were together for the um, a campaign the that we do every day, every year, mm-hmm. and uh, we met and we we decided to do this together because we are two wonderful organizations helping our community, and and I love collaborations. Tell me all about the Dan Marino Foundation, the Marino Campus. 
Um, so, well, thank you for having me this morning again. Um, I always love to come here and I'll talk about what we do. Um, Marino Campus is one of the initiatives for the Dan Marino Foundation. It's a school for young adults, 18 to 28, that are either on the spectrum or have um, a learning or a physical uh, differing ability. What we do is we focus on um, hospitality or computer technology. We offer certifications uh, in both programs. Uh, each, each program has different certifications and we focus a lot on um, social skills, uh, career development. Our end goal is employment. So um, after the students are done with um, the, the, the schooling, quote unquote, part of it, um, we do place them on an internship. Um, after the internship, if they don't get hired from the internship site, they will work with our career services department to get placed. And to give you an idea, Leon, of how we're doing, um, the employment rate, unfortunately, for uh, young adults with disabilities is 19%. Um, our students, uh, our graduates, our placement rate with them is seventy-three percent. That's amazing. So, yeah, and that, and that is. Let, let me let me say that that is a big big number, and it's so important. I know we have talked um, in another interview. We have talked off the air. It's so important for the the adults, the young adults that you're helping, because you're giving them that sense of independence. Absolutely. Right. I mean, I love what you guys do. Also for the parents. I mean, when I think as a mom, if I had a child uh, with a different ability, I love that you say that. <laughs> um, I would love for that child to feel that sense of independence, of right? Course, of and, course. And the fact that you guys are doing that, I love it. So they come to you, I would say, right after high school. Um, some right? of them come after high school. Um, some of them. Uh, uh, in um, Florida, there's a, you could delay your um, high school graduation and stay within the schooling system, um, you know, a little bit longer. Um, so some will come after that, which is at 22, and but some will come right after high school. And, you know, we're 18 to 28, so we'll take them. You know, we're just right. excited to have them here to give them that opportunity. And honestly, that's really what our students are looking for. They're looking for um, someone that's going to believe in them, yes. um, someone that's going to teach them, that's going to empower them to be, you know, gainfully employed. And they can say, like, here, I'm earning a check. You know, I'm actually going in. I'm making friends. You know what yes. I mean? That's the most yeah, important part. Yeah, it's not even about the money. Uh, sometimes, you know, I'm sure that the families are able to help them in any which way they can. Of course. But also about making, you know, that social component yes. of um, mingling with other people and, and having other people to relate to. I mean... Again, I love it. What's not to love? And yes. I know you are uh, by the FIU campus, right? In yes. the south. So we have a campus um, on uh, the FIU grounds, the main campus on A Street. Um, we have our, our campus there. And then we have a campus in Fort Lauderdale, um, right downtown Fort Lauderdale on um, Andrews and 4th, like right on the corner. Yes. And I know where that one is at, too. Now, for someone who's listening, you know, whether it's a parent or someone who knows someone, uh, how can they get in contact with the Marino campus um, to find out, to get more information? We have um, our website, uh, marinocampus.org. Um, talks about, um, you know, what we do on the campus. Uh, you know, you could fill out an application on the website as well. Or you can call us directly. Um, the number is 954-368-6000. And um, you'll get the operator and you could press zero and, um, you know, speak to someone to get information. for the admissions department. Listen, yep. <laughs> love what you do. Continue to do this great thank work. You. Uh, thank, thank you for so much me. for joining us today. Yes, thank you. Well, I'm Marilyn Brummett and we're at that part of the program where we get to talk to people who are going through a journey, um, life change, and uh, they have a story to tell. And let me say, it is not easy 
to tell a story, especially on the radio and just start talking and, and trying to tell um, in a few minutes really what's happened in a lifetime. So we have with us today Manuel. Manuel, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me, Ms. Brummett. Manuel, can we go back in time, maybe to your childhood? Tell us a little bit of your upbringing. Yes, um, when I was little, I got separated by my mom and my dad, and I grew up with my aunt and uncle. And through my, I'm 23 when I was 18, I all my life I've been abused by my my aunt. Mm. So when I was 18, I I I came. I, I was living in North Carolina. I grew up in North Carolina. I came over here and started using drugs, weed, and it escalated. Started having friends, bad friendships, and my life wasn't going good for me. Mm. So, um, so when did you come to Florida? I came to Florida when I was 18. 18. Back, back when, yeah. Okay, so in that struggle between 18 and 23 isn't a whole lot of years there. So what really has finally led you to come to the Miami Rescue Mission? I was going to a church with um, my grandma and this girl I met at the church uh, and was talking to me about the mission and gave me information about the mission and that's what led me up to, to come to the mission. Well, how did you make that decision that that's what you needed, wanted? Because then and that can be two different things, too, needed and wanted. So how did that really occur? I started praying and and wanted a change in my life. And I felt like that was something that I, that I had to do. Okay. So you came to the Miami Rescue Mission. Now, I don't know how big of a shock you had or not um, but there's a lot of different types of you're at the Center for Men a lot of different types of men here uh, all ages all cultures all different walks of life how did that uh, how did that set with you I mean it's up it set it pretty good because I had it felt like I've never had a father figure so I felt like the men that that were in there that were older than me they gave me advice like the the graduates um, staff gave me gave me some advice and I took that like something I never got from like a father figure it felt good and even the other men that are going through the program do you feel that they kind of like maybe adopted you and say hey maybe you're a little younger than most of the ones that are here or did you feel out of place no I felt I felt adopted I felt a lot of love that I've never had in my life wow. since I was young from basically nobody so I felt that type of love friendship it, it felt comfortable being there wow so that's pretty amazing so not only the staff but actually the men in the program you know because they're going through their own issues right and you have yours and yet you felt like you were included then right and not ostracized like oh you're too young you're yeah, you're, you're not like us it wasn't like that Right. It was, it was it was awesome. It, it felt good. Wow. That is amazing. Well, there's more to the story because as you have progressed um, at the mission, in fact, you're going to be going to what we call upperclassmen. 
and you're going to go into the Alpha program, which is like uh, Harvard, a senior at Harvard. Uh, so that's pretty amazing to be able to go into Alpha. But we want to come back after the break, and we want to find out how these last months have been. What kind of change do you feel in your own life that you see of yourself? And are you able to open up now? Because if you're all your life felt like abused, not loved, just not, you know, really not treated right, how do you now be able to help someone else too uh, when you've gone through this so please don't turn that dial we want to hear more from Manuel he's going to share so we'll be back in just a moment but we're back with Manuel he is in the midst of telling his story he's a very young man um, even young what I would say um, in relation to a lot of the men that are here at the mission and yet, Manuel, you have shared with us that you not only felt um, adopted by the staff, but also by the other men who are in the program going through their own life change. You didn't feel ostracized from them because you're too young and, you know, why are, you, know you, you wouldn't have the life problems we have. But some way you have felt adopted by everyone. So talk to us a little bit more about your experience right here at the mission you're going through right now. I mean, uh, I'm... A- I could say like the best part when I came into the mission was the education center because I got to go back into school and re recap on on my education and my Christian service assignment, which is um, a red pen, which is tutoring my fellow uh, brothers. Wow, it felt, felt that's good great. To tutor them and show them what I know, what I what I know through what I went to high school and graduated. Now they they could also say, Hey, you're young, we're older than you, why are you right. being the one that's the red pen was there any kind of little mm on that? Yeah, some 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 of my brothers, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, they thought they knew more. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a little bit hard. <laughs> little but hard. overall you have still felt that camaraderie. I felt that love, yeah. Yeah. That that friendship that I've never had. Yeah, that's amazing. So through the Education Center, you already have a goal that uh, you're kind of setting for yourself that you want to go back to school. What do you want to become? Yes, I actually want to finish school and uh, be a paramedic, go to Miami-Dade and get my certificate, and then from there go and be a firefighter. Wow, that is so awesome. But right now, you are preparing to go to what we call the upperclassmen, uh, which is our alpha program. That's a 16, 17-week um, specialized program. It's like being a, a senior at Harvard. And uh, you have to dress different uh, when you're in alpha. You have to always dress with a shirt and tie, and uh, you have to be a little bit different. So what expectations do you have going into alpha? Finishing getting closer to God and um, just changing my old ways and have new beginnings. Okay, so um, because of what you have suffered in your life and um, really not having that nurturing uh, as a young man, um, that affects us, you know, really for the rest of our life. How do you think you're going to be dealing with that now and in the future? I, I think I'm going to deal with it just fine because I have my brothers that have given me love that I've never had, so I'll just express that to other people that have been through 
maybe something similar to what I've been through. And have you learned that sometimes you just have to talk it out? Yeah, it's, it's been hard, but uh, little by little, I've been opening up to, to people. In other words, you can't keep that all bottled up inside. Right. Yeah, that it does help a lot. Yeah, it helps. Yeah, and knowing that you have a loving Heavenly Father that really is said, okay, you didn't have that in physical fatherhood uh, here on earth, but I am your loving Father, and you can take my example, and you can go on with that. And, and we're going to pray that you're going to become a loving Father. Amen. Amen. Uh, in the right time, in God's timing, that you find that uh, special young lady, and you have a nurturing home that you don't use what you learned from your childhood, but you learn uh, what God has showed you. Well, thank you, Manuel. Thank you, Ms. Bowman. For sharing your story. Well, Marilyn, what a powerful testimony of Manuel. Mm. And you know, everyone that comes through our doors, they, they may be homeless, they may have some kind of drug addiction or some kind of problem. Uh, and there's a lot of commonalities, but everyone has their own story, don't they? That's right, and uh, I think that's what I always want to emphasize, that all these people are real, these stories are real, and uh, what really impacts me and so many others is to know as they come in, they're coming in at uh, the lo- sometimes the lowest part of their life, uh, but there's hope on the other end. And uh, they start receiving that hope. And if it wasn't for our volunteers and our supporters and our giving partners, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. So I say thank you if you have supported in any way, form or fashion, uh, the Miami Rescue Mission or the Broward Outreach Centers. Let me just say thank you on behalf of Manuel and so many others. That's right. And, you know, it's so heartwarming when you see people come in that are so depressed and so they're just dark. You know, they, they've lost all hope, and then they start gaining um, the idea that, hey, my life can be different. Somebody does care for me. God does love me. I have a purpose in life. And then as through the months go by, then you see people progress and progress to a point where they complete all their studies. And so once a year, uh, we have we've been doing this for many, many years. We have a graduation ceremony. Now, this is a full ceremony with cap and gowns for homeless men and women who've gone through our Miami centers. And they'll be walking the stage, getting their diplomas. Family will be present. Friends will be present. Uh, you, you will be present. Uh, many of the supporters and donors come out, volunteers, and actually witness the power of a changed life. We'd, we'd like to invite you. You come to, go to our website at caringplace.org slash graduation. Let us know if you're coming. And if, if you can, we'd love you to sponsor a cap and a gown. A cap is $15. A gown is $20. And it means a lot when you see the men and the women, the smiles on their face, the hugs, the tears. It's very emotional, isn't it? Oh, it's tears of joy. I mean, even if you don't know the person that's walking the stage, um, you're going to cry just to to understand some of their stories. And you'll hear stories uh, if you come to graduation. You'll hear it from their own mouth. You'll hear their own testimony. So I invite you to come support um, these people who have gone through so much. And if you have supported in some way, this is your outcome this is uh where your money went this is where when you did a drive for us this is the outcome of that so come and see it for yourself and of course we like you to help us in so many different ways throughout the year we love our volunteers last year i think nine thousand volunteers came through our centers in broward and miami is that correct 
Well, it was a little bit less than that uh, this year, but um, we had over 65,000 um, hours of, of volunteer hours. So volunteers are very, very important to us. It is thousands of volunteers that come in a year's time. So we always welcome our volunteers. We're always going to find something for you to do. So again, you can go to caringplace.org uh, and you can click on at the top. It says volunteers. Just click on that. Give us the information. We're going to invite you to a special tour and an orientation. Yeah, and it doesn't matter what you can do, we can use your talent. We yes. have people, you know, we love people to come and serve the food. We need people to help prepare the food, but you know, we have many, many buildings. Mm. We have centers in Miami and in Broward. So we have uh, projects always need to be done, landscaping, painting. We have kids to be taken care of. There's classes to be taught and tutored in, uh, people to help sort clothes in our thrift store operation. There's a lot of different ways. And, and, and people ask me, can I bring my kids? Oh, yes, we have different family days, too. So just to make sure that uh, you tell the volunteer coordinator what your family can do, and she's going to plug you in in some way. That's right. So go to our website at caringplace.org. Check, check out what's coming up. We, have, we just had our heart for the homeless. It was a wonderful time of loving on the homeless and the needy and the people that are in our buildings. We have our graduation coming up, and then on the 14th, we have a special barbecue for our Girlfriends for Girlfriends group. Uh, things that just make it easier for people to participate and of course the change life seeing people go through our programs with new lives and new destinies well god bless you and tune in next sunday right here on news radio 610 wiod for more mission possible this podcast was presented by the miami rescue mission broward outreach centers also known as the caring place www.caringplace.org